You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring Pastor Jenny Andoni. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. And now, let's meet Midway. Good morning, everyone. We're so glad to have you here. Oh, man, it looks awesome to have uh, so many in the congregation with us today. Uh, so glad to have the no longer abound men with us. Um, my name is Grant Butler. Yeah, go ahead and clap. I'm excited about that too. Um, my name is Grant Butler. I'm a worship leader here at Midway, and uh, we're so glad to have you worshiping with us online and in person. And uh, we're going to get uh, today's worship service started uh, with uh, uh, Waymaker. Turning lights around 
It's so wonderful to have a full house this morning. It feels back to normal. It's been about a year since we've had this, so it's so wonderful to see all of you here in worship, especially our guests from No Longer Bound, two of which I personally know, so that is nice. And we also want to welcome those who are joining us online, and those online can greet one another now in the chat as we continue to worship our Lord and our God. Y'all can continue standing or sit, whatever you'd like to do.
so we can set our hearts on you. Lord, we will set our hearts on you. A mighty fortress is our God. A sacred refuge is your Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can gather here to worship your holy, holy, holy name. Please draw us together, not just as individual followers of Christ, but as the body of Christ so that we can worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my This is my daily bread, your very word 
desperate for you. As we enter into a time of prayer, we just want to express our sympathy, take a time to, uh, to Wes uh, uh, Stansberry and his family um, in the passing of his mother, uh, Jane Anderson, at 100 years old. Um, Jane was also a member of Midway, so please remember them in your prayers today as we, uh, as we bow down. Father, I am in awe of your holy splendor. You alone are worthy of worship and honor. Unbelievably, you invite us into your presence to give ourselves as an offering so that you might transform us by your holiness. May we shine with your holiness as you shape us into the image of your son, Jesus, so that we might be a living reflection of his character. Father, your word tells us you chose us even before you created the world to be holy and blameless in your sight. I can hardly comprehend how it must grieve your heart that we are so careless with this gift. Teach us to understand more fully what it means to be set apart for the purposes of your kingdom. Teach us to obey your call. Give us the strength to endure your loving discipline, faith to believe that you are in the midst of our suffering, and a submissive spirit to allow the refining fire to do its work and to make us holy as you are holy. Lord Jesus, because of you, 
we have ultimately been set free from sin and your righteousness has become our own. But while we are here, give us the strength to choose holiness over the temptations of the world. Alert our souls whenever the evil one or our flesh attempts to distract us from the purposes of your kingdom. Holy God, guard our heart and help us to focus upon the beauty of your holiness. Give us strength to walk away from the arrogance of our own thoughts and actions so that day by day we look more like Jesus. Show us how to walk toward a more perfect holiness. Oh God, you're, you are holy and deep within ourselves where our souls touch the ground, where our being meets your being, we are on holy ground and your holiness surrounds us and calls our name. Help us to remain prayerful in walking with your spirit as we call out your name as Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. We continue today with our Lenten series based on the devotional book, Worship in the Light of the Cross by John Endermark. Um, so each, each Sunday during the 40 days of Lent leading up to Easter, we are looking at a different component of worship. So last week we looked at the first element, that of the gathering, and today we are examining the second one, which is the invocation. Our scripture lesson comes to us today from Exodus chapter 3, beginning in the first verse. But before we read together, will you pray for me as I pray for us? Almighty and gracious God, Open our hearts and minds by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit so that as your word is read and proclaimed, we may hear with great joy all that you would say to us this day. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. The priest of Midian, he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. 
He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Invocation. It's not a word that we use much anymore, except in a traditional church setting or a formal civic gathering. Today, in most church bulletins, instead of calling it the invocation, it's titled the opening prayer, which sounds a lot less intimidating. It's also indicative of its place in the service because it's in the beginning to initiate our preparation for the worship of God. I'll never forget the first invocation I gave in a worship service. Somehow I found myself in the position of being the person giving the invocation at my high school baccalaureate service, probably because no one else wanted to do it. But the service happened to be in the chapel of my home church at Roswell Methodist. And at least my nerves were tempered by familiarity with that holy ground, with Jesus, the good shepherd, looking reassuringly out at me from the stained glass window where he was tending his sheep which that church taught me, included me. Despite my high anxiety, I managed to make it through the prayer without stumbling over any words or my voice shaking too badly. After saying amen, though, I began to announce the opening hymn when Randy, who was my friend and serving as the organist, jumped in playing the music and drowning me out. It wouldn't be the first time that I had a miscommunication between a church musician and myself, you see. Another one of my early opportunities to offer an invocation didn't fare much better. I was asked to say the opening prayer for the annual conference for North Georgia Methodists. I was asked as a member of that year's uh, ordination class. So early one morning around 8 a.m., I stood before that massive hall with only a smattering of people scattered about who managed to find their way to their seats early that morning. All went well with the prayer until I got to the end. And when I said amen, my voice cracked and let out an awful screech, a terrible noise resounding through that sound system, more awful than any noise I have ever heard before or since. 
embarrassment of that moment, you know, it washed all over me, which wasn't helped any by an elder colleague who had been my pastor as a young child. He leaned in and said to me, that was a beautiful prayer. Too bad about the amen. <laughs> the opening prayer is supposed to get the service off on the right foot by invoking God's presence. An idea which, honestly, I've always been a bit uncomfortable. After all, isn't God already present with us? Don't we tell our children God is everywhere? Didn't Jesus promise, lo, I'm with you always, and send his spirit to be our constant companion? It seems a little bit presumptuous to me to invite the God who created the universe to inhabit our little gathering. We do it, though. Not because God isn't already present, but because it's our way of preparing, priming the pump, if you will, so that we can transition from the busy, distracted, noisy world in which we live day to day into the mysterious time and space of worship in which we stand on holy ground. I remember a speaker at a prayer conference I once attended musing that most churches wouldn't notice if God didn't show up on a Sunday. Why? Because he said most churchgoers are not really expecting to experience God's presence in Sunday worship. Instead of attending to the holy mystery in our midst, we have a tendency to make worship about ourselves whether or not the liturgist's voice cracked during the opening prayer, whether or not we liked the songs that were sung, whether the preacher delivered a homiletical gem or a dud, whether or not we got a chance to catch up with our friends in spite of social distancing. We've forgotten that worship is about attending to God, not our whims and wishes. Robert Weber, in his book, Worship is a Verb, says that invocation represents God initiating worship and calling the body into being. Weber relates how one pastor impressed upon his congregation the importance of knowing that they were coming before the Lord. I told people, said the pastor, that the Lord himself will be present in all his glory. I told the choir, when you sing, the, the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silence. I want you to know he is truly here. You are sounding the word through the congregation. He has again come to be with us. And when I get up to give the invocation, I want it to be as though Jesus is sitting on the front row and I am talking to him and telling him how highly honored we are that he has graced our gathering with his very presence. So let's imagine this morning, my friends, that Jesus is 
sitting beside you at home if you're online or in one of these seats in the sanctuary we have reserved by placing Jesus' face on a sheet of paper in order to achieve social distancing. Imagine instead of that sheet of paper, Jesus is sitting there beside you. What difference would it make to know that today God is fully present with us in the flesh? Imagine what we might experience as something on par with what Moses did that day on the mountain of God called Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai as it is also known. Horeb, by the way, means wasteland which means God chooses to appear to Moses not in a temple designed for encounters with a deity, but in a dry desert wasteland, a full three days' journey from that great water source of the Nile, a place where Moses' sheepish charges led him to wander further and further into the wilderness in their search for some measly tufts of grass coming up out of the rocks. Moses is in the deep wilderness. You ever been there? He's far from other people, farther still from a religious community and the sights and sounds of worship. In fact, up to this point, Moses hasn't even appeared to cross paths with the Almighty. Nor has he any passing familiarity with the God of his ancestors. He doesn't even know that the rock that he is standing on is the mountain of God. Frederick Breitner once said, It is out of the absence of God that God makes himself present. God couldn't be further from Moses' mind, except perhaps that the majesty of a mountain lends itself to the eyes of God's creatures being lifted up toward the heavens and contemplation of the power of a creator who could form such a marvel. This is probably why in the Bible God is always meeting up with people on a mountaintop. So there Moses is, busy at the daily grind in the family business owned by his father-in-law. He's tending Jethro's sheep when he comes across a bush lit up with a flame coming out of it without it being consumed. The strange phenomenon draws Moses' eyes from the mountain. It cuts through the clouds back down to the dusty earth where he turns aside to take in this sight. A simple movement of the muscles in the neck and his eyes come to rest on something that is in the world, yet somehow wholly beyond it. He takes the time, you see, to turn aside and attend to the holy mystery in his midst. And when he does... He hears a voice he could have easily missed if he hadn't attended to it. 
Moses, Moses, the Lord cries from the fiery bush. One Moses just won't do. It's the Bible's way of letting us know that Moses is soon going to find his life caught up in a divine assignment, a call beyond his wildest dreams. The Lord is going to have Moses trade in leading Jethro's sheep for leading the lost sheep of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. Here I am, Moses says, a clear indication that this stuttering shepherd with a checkered past that includes no less than murder is opening himself up to being changed by the presence of God in his midst. It's as if the fire of that bush is being transferred into Moses' very bones where it will rise up and a voice of righteous indignation demanding that Pharaoh let God's people go. Moses, you see, he, he turned aside. And because he did, he hears God calling him to take up a holy cause. And what's the word we use for such a call from God? Vocation, which of course helps to form the word invocation. Parker Palmer says that vocation comes from listening, an insight that is hidden in the word vocation itself, which is rooted in the word for voice. Vocation means a calling that I hear, a calling to be the person I was born to be, to fulfill the original selfhood given me by my birth, by God. In other words, taking up our vocation, whatever it may be, it need not be religious, although it may be. But whatever the vocation is, whatever calling, it is a way of giving our lives over to something beyond our selfish desires. It is to seek to fulfill that image of God in which we were each uniquely created to serve God's purposes in the world. As Frederick Buechner so wonderfully defined it, defined it vocation is that place where our deep gladness meets the world's great need. That place where our deep gladness meets the world's great need. Bruce Epperly points to Moses' experience and suggests that when it comes to God's attempts to communicate with us, God is always calling, and sometimes we notice. Or as Frederick Buechner puts it, a door has always been open. It's just that we only just now stumbled upon it. Later, the prophet Elijah will find himself standing on that same holy ground 
on which Moses stood. Fleeing from Queen Jezebel, who is seeking his life, he hides out in a cave on Mount Horeb. And there, a voice promises Elijah an appearance by God. It's only natural to expect that God would appear in some powerful force of nature, perhaps a fiery flame as in the case of Moses, or maybe a mighty wind or an earthquake that would shake the ground out from beneath Elijah's feet. But instead, God spoke to Elijah in a sound of sheer silence. Whereas the King James so familiarly puts it, a still, small voice. Sometimes God's call comes in subtle ways. But however God speaks to us, Endermark says that God invokes the gift of holy ground and presence to all who need sanctuary, even the most unexpected or seemingly undeserving, even Moses, even Elijah, even me, even you. The God who speaks through silence. That kind of God can even speak from a cross where a man hung to die. And then out of an empty tomb, God would speak a final word of hope over sin and death. This God, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses and Elijah and Jesus cannot be contained in our neat theological boxes. All we can do is receive him and and thank him for making his presence known to us by hallowing the ground of the earth by coming to be with us. This week, one of our members, Tim Bennett, he's over there, met with a young man. He's getting nervous right now, so what did he say? He met with a young man here at the church who was going to do some minor repairs on some of our doors. As the 20-something young man examined the doors out here, he, he opened them and he stepped inside into the welcome center. And when he did, he, he suddenly stopped, looked around and said, this feels like home. Tim said, oh, oh, well, you're welcome here anytime. We'd love to have you in worship. Oh, no, I'm Jewish, he said. It's just that when I stepped into this place, It felt like home. To stand on holy ground is to know that one has been welcomed home. That true and lasting home where even a murderer like Moses and we and all our sin and failures are taken in by the one who loves us and gave himself up for us. Moses at the burning bush, says Beekner, 
was told to take off his shoes because the ground on which he stood was holy ground. And incarnation means that all ground is holy ground because God not only made it, but walked on it, ate and slept and worked and died on it. If we are saved anywhere, he says, we are saved here. So take off your shoes, my brothers and sisters. No, really, take them off. Come on. Take them off. Now stand up. Some of you, it's harder to get them off than others. <laughs> For this ground on which we stand is holy ground. For here God welcomes us and redeems us and sends us out as his body in the world to speak his name. Please remain standing as we sing. just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Till every there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus soul held captive by depression 
You stand on holy ground, but it's not just holy ground in here. It's out there as, to, as well, because God goes with you wherever you go. Now may God go before you to guide you. May God go behind you to direct you. May God go beside you to befriend you. May God rest above you to protect you. May God rest below you to uphold you. And may God dwell within you to comfort you now and forevermore. Amen.
You've been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel, an acoustic worship service at 9.45 a.m. in our historic chapel, and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.